friends, welcome back to the Film Alchemist podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always on this tippy-toed, bouncy adventure down to the dark path of the arts by my friend and waifishly thin co-host. Definitely not Alex Dandino, by that description. <laughs> No, it's like, uh, what's his name? Bender said in uh, Breakfast Club. Somewhere inside of you, there's a very thin ballerina Alex waiting to explode out. It's all right. I'd watch you dance ballet. You could be the big ballet guy. Oh, that's, that's fine. You. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. This is the end of the pod questions reality month. Uh, I, it actually feels unfair, right? This feels like something we should have done like 20 movies for. Yeah. Because I, I just was thinking about, uh, and we've had some audience members get a hold of us with all of these great classics that we just did not get to we'll revisit it like there's no reason I was gonna not say, to do this again like we'll I mean, add it to our list of next next year's like one yeah. month we're gonna do like an all-out assault yeah on because this is probably and i know you've said this before that my assumption in every movie is that it's all a lie <laughs> all a ruse. <laughs> i never believe anything i'm shown which is funny it's all a ruse but, uh, I am glad, actually, that Black Swan made it onto this list because it's not actually – it doesn't fit in the genre of almost any other film that was on, right? It was a ton of sci-fi, ton of simulations, ton of drug-induced kind of hysteria, dreams, stuff like right. that. This is interesting to me because, one, I always say this about Black Swan. I was like, this is the movie I can't believe that we don't just talk about all the time. It is I actually think this is one of the 10 greatest movies I've ever seen in my life. And what I love about this movie as far as questioning reality is it seems the most rooted in our world. Yeah. But I don't know that we ever see Nina one time in the whole movie, except for maybe the very last shot. Yeah, I'd say the very end. Like, again, this movie is so it's so fascinating. Like, there's nothing about it that there's nothing about it that screams hard reality but yet it takes place in the harshest of realities which is apparently yeah. the world of new york city ballet uh <laughs> like like show me like you know show me like any of the other movies that he that aronofsky's done about like horrible things in this world like drug addiction uh the wrestlers about a guy just down on his luck yeah. fucking mother and yet this movie still is probably the most i think probably the most visceral of all of them like, this is the one that you're like, I actually would rather be in the Suspiria Ballerina School, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely would like, rather be dealing with Warlocks. I would one an old lady. <laughs> thousand percent rather be dealing with Warlocks than whatever the fuck happens here. Like, this is insane. Like, yeah, I'd rather deal with Warlocks than whatever the fuck is going on with Vincent Castle. You know, it's great. You know, sure. that, you know that Susie got out of that school. She got back to America and she's like, I think I'm going to sign up for this. And she saw, like, she took, like, one look at the program. Like, no, fuck that. I'm going back. Suspiria is where I live. Yeah, I'm just going to go be a, a really mean stage mom. No, what I, yeah. I I honestly, I I cannot believe this movie didn't win Best Picture when it came out. The I year honestly that it came out, let's see, what won Best Picture that year? I think the year that it came out, what won Best... Uh, first off, that was the year that uh, Franco and Hathaway hosted. The infamous hosting. hosting the infamous, the yeah. But uh, let's see... Um, the King's Speech won Best Picture that year. And you and I have had many conversations about the One King's Speech. One of my all-time, like, <laughs> movies that I just shake the angry fist at the gods Absolutely. for is the King's Speech. A hundred percent. Like, the okay, fact that, the, the, I mean, the King's Speech will not even be remembered in 20... And I feel like this movie's not remembered not only, nearly like, enough. 
This movie got nominated, I think, eight times. It won once. Natalie Portman won for Best Actress. But these are the... Okay, so... I mean, that had to be a fucking lock. This was the first... <laughs> I think this might have been the first year that they had um, expanded the Best Picture category. Like, it was ten nominations that year. That year, right. the movies that the movies that lost to the King's Speech were 127 Hours, Black Swan, The Fighter, Inception, The Kids Are Alright, Social Network, Toy Story 3, True Grit, and Winter's Bone. Yeah, there. Tom Hooper won Best Director behind in front of Aronofsky, David O. Russell, David Fincher, and the Coen Brothers. Like unbelievable, it's insane. Because you honestly, Black applaud Swan, him for this insane Joker level ruse that he pulled over <laughs> on the Academy. Yes, I you think know? whatever Tom Hooper pulled up pulled pulled one over on everyone is pretty incredible when you think about it. Uh, right, Joker again, is the Black believe- Swan of the Academy voter. <laughs> Right. But then again, I believe the King's Speech uh, was put out by the Weinstein Company, so we all know what happened there. That's fine. <sighs> Fuck the King's Speech. We're here to talk about Black Swan, man. Yeah, Black Swan. I will Swan. tell you this. I The thing that I love about this movie, I mean, God, among ev- everything in this movie is perfect to me. But it's one of those I say, it's like you can make movies as good as Black Swan, you can't make one better, right? That's kind of my bar. There right. are just movies that are as good as you can possibly have made them. This is one of them, right? But I think what to hone in on for this movie, what I love so much this time, really, really watching it. I think I watched it a couple of times to get ready for this. But what I love about this movie is it feels it's they do this double trick, which I love, which is the camera is always moving constantly. Right. It has this very voyeuristic vibe. Right. So a lot of times we're right behind a character's head. Which gives us the kind of, we are her inner thoughts looking out. So there's this weird voyeurism, and we feel so close to Natalie Portman the whole movie. Well, she constantly, as my wife described it, looks terrified of everything. Totally. So it puts us in this very uncomfortable kind of predatory position. But the other thing they layer on top of this, which works so beautifully for our questioning reality, is you almost every character, we're constantly watching them through a reflection, right? Whether it be a reflection in a mirror... Uh, we are constantly watching other we're wa- constantly watching Nina watch how other people are glaring at her and judging her. Uh, even right. the way the mother projects herself onto Nina. Yeah. Nina becomes this weird ball of insecurities and tear that. And it, it's kind of the, the swan well, metaphor, mean, right? Is where does Nina begin and end versus when is Nina just not constantly. Right. Being well, a reflection of someone else's ideas. You know, there's three layers to this like entire movie, which is like on the ba- like on the very base layer, like on the top, or I'd say like on the dermis, on the top, it's a psychological thriller, and then below that, it's a modern interpretation of the Swan Lake story, and right. then finally, if you go to the very bottom of it, and what I always think ends up being kind of like Aronofsky as of late is interesting because I watched this and I. I actually felt a lot of similarities similarities to Mother in the way that the story you can interpret the story. There is this undertone of like what it is to be an artist, like the perfection and mm-hmm. the quality the quality control it takes, especially in that world of dance. Like, um, I, I actually I, I dated a I dated a girl who was a ballerina in high school, and she was intense. Which should give you a lot. Which should give you, a, you know, I mean, like, but again, like, there's a lot. There's an intensity to dance, and there's an intensity to that world that you just don't understand unless you're part of it. It's absolutely right. fascinating. Well, it's the other. 
idea too that they say because i would say this is a classic horror movie to me right this is 100%. one of the three tales right there are three horror tales this is the classic fear of self yeah and i think what we watch throughout the movie is nina trying to break free of everything else yeah. and decide what she is or discover who the fuck she is which is kind of scary in and of itself to be of that age and still like I have no idea who I am. I'm just in this world of people and right. things that want me to be something else. But yeah, I mean, I think the the psychological thriller aspect is is really fascinating in this movie because the way that we're always at a distance yet always right on top of her. And well, she yeah. just looks so small and frail. I think he says it best, right? Is that uh I knew the white swan wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. Right? She's just this kind of beautiful, petite and then again, this driving for perfection. Right. And then this is the other scary part, right? All of her hard work might not mean anything. Because he, he even says that, you know, yeah. what is the point of all of this perfection? Right. You well, know, I think in, what is the goal of that? And well, that's and scary that's for an artist. Of, You're like, I can work so hard and the audience might not ever care. They might not get there with me if I can't right. move I them mean, on that's a just, non-objective that's level. You know, like that's, yeah, right? that's art in and of itself. That's the essence of art. It's like, all of this might mean nothing. Like that's, <laughs> it's it's what we all go through whenever we're doing like, you know, we put out a show every week. We put, we put shows out every week. Like we constantly think about this. I know for a fact because we text each other. It's like, this might mean, might mean anything. This might equate to us just talking to each other. Rather, like, this might equate to us, like, setting up equipment and doing this whole thing and, like, spending money. It might equate to us just, like, we could have just texted this. Like, this is a- my masterpiece, I've always assumed. Like- I didn't know we weren't on the same page. <laughs> You're a real Lily backstabbing me here. I'm glad to but hear like, it. <laughs> well, that makes sense. I mean, it is the double. Uh, you know. Come on, no. The, but, like, I mean, the important thing to me, like, the thing that I notice about this movie the, from the, like, from the first time I saw it, which was insane, by the way. Uh, first time I saw it was at Arclight Hollywood, and... We hadn't gotten tickets prior. I was with a, uh, a couple of friends of mine who were from out of town, and they didn't understand. They had bought the tickets, they said, but they didn't understand that like the Arclight is reserved seating. So we walked into the Arclight, and the only seats that were left were front row. So I watched this movie <laughs> in the front row of the Arclight dome, which was insane. So you're um, like double voyeuristic. Yeah. You're right in there. So, <laughs> But like the thing that I think is really really important about this movie and the thing that makes it so visceral is because the entire movie is shot in close-up like yeah find me a wide shot short of the performance there's none yeah like everything wide shots that i can think of right is like when she's on the streets of new york by herself the only time you see or like when uh mila kunis's character is approaching her in the studio right where it's far enough away that we can think it just might it's be her. Nina approaching herself. Right, exactly. And then by the time it turns into Mila Kunis, then it's, you know, closer right. shot. I mean, I remember reading um I remember reading about like this was like right at this came out in 2010 like this was like right after I got out of college, so I was really into like film pedigree and a lot of stuff, but I still like that kind of thing. <laughs> but like uh for instance, the uh, DP's Maddie Lubatique who shot a lot of great movies, but the really important thing to him about this movie itself was it was shot on Super 16, which is the same thing they shot the wrestler on. Um, right. But Super 16 gives you this really grainy sort of like what I would consider like sort of 70s vibe. And that's exactly what you get, especially when they start shooting outside. When we start walking with you can't really tell what anything is besides like the back of her head when you start walking right. behind her and doing those follow shots. Like, And that's the thing. They could be following on, you know, a gimbal or some kind of steady cam. They right. want that camera moving. They want it moving. Because what whole it time. does is 
again, it gives us that visceral we're walking in her footsteps, right. creeping right behind her, right? Right. Because that's the thing. The whole movie, you feel like, I am about to hurt her. Right. right. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, you know, by her trying to be performative for me, I am pushing her down this road yeah. of destruction. Also, it never lets you settle and fully just see her no. in the element. There's where a she real, is. So like, it always is a shifting target of who Nina is. Yeah. There's a real, like, Cassavetti's quality to how we follow Nina through exactly, this world. Yeah. Like, there's something so just like, it's like they just picked up a camera and walked because. Probably that's the case in a lot of in a lot of senses. Like, but then even like the um, uh, rehearsal pieces are the stuff that always strikes me in this movie. Like, whenever they're in rehearsal, first off, the camera's never locked off. It's always following whoever. But like, it's also so intense. Like the scene where he uh, walks up to her and says, "I knew the white swan wouldn't be a problem." Like that, it gives me motion sickness, man. Like that movie, that the whole bit is so intense because. You don't know what you're supposed to be following. You're not, not sure what you're supposed to be looking at. The only thing you know you're locked in on is her face. Because her face is the most important part because what she's doing is perfecting her craft. And because she's perfect, she knows she's perfect. She finishes it. And then when he asks her to do the black swan, holy shit, man. Like, she just loses all grip on reality. It's amazing. It's well, it's, it's cool, too. It's crazy. Yeah, well, she, well she's her amazing. face becomes this uh, eye in the center of the storm, right? Yeah, exactly. Where we're seeing her, and even in her perfection, she still has that fear. Yeah. You know, when my wife said that, it really struck me. Like, the entire rest of the movie, I was like, fuck, she looks terrified every goddamn scene. Oh, yeah, scene. absolutely. And you're like, with pretty good reason. <laughs> but this is her again, you know. This is another level of reflectiveness, right? Is right. she's watching as she's doing her moves, right? The the roboticness of her moves is fine for her. Right. As she's watching him saying again, again, it's not enough. She is in dread. How is this not enough? I'm doing it just right. Right. What is the thing that I can't give him? What if I can never give him that? Right. So there's this extra level of watching him in seeing herself through his eyes and being afraid of, fuck, I might not just have the thing, right? A lot of us that were in the business for a while or wanted to be, you just know it's like you hear people say all the time, oh, they just got it. They got the thing. Yeah. And then you meet a person and you'll be like, oh, fuck, now that I know what the thing is. Like, I've seen it now in real life. Right. And there's no quantifying that. Again, this gets back to the, you know, her versus Lily character. But it is I, – I love the dance moves because the kind of – the way it works is a metronome, right? Yeah. Keep doing this move. Keep doing this – it locks us into a rhythm. Well, like you said, the camera is kind of frenetically asymmetrical and chaotic. Right. It's just very jarring all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 the, – the whole point of the camera is it's never locked off. It's never this – it's never this what we're not interested in is the beauty of movement in ballet. Like that's like the least important part of this entire movie is like how beautiful ballet can be. Really even until the end. And even in the end you're like I don't really give a shit. She's turning into a bird. Like who literally cares about any of the rest of this? She's literally lost her grip on reality. Like well for me the ending it's too it's not about the dance. It's about her. this is one of the first times we're on her fucking face. Mm -hmm. Straight up no reflections. She is all the way let go, and it's it's one of the beautiful parts is, of course, in real in the story of the film, she's trying to gather both, right? right? To be the white swan and the more seductive, dark, destructive black swan. Yeah. 
And on film, you're watching it and you're like, oh my God, Natalie Portman did that in real life. Like she got, when she goes full black swan, right? I'm not looking at the feathers or any of it. I'm just locked onto her no, fucking her eyeballs. fucking eyes, man. The, the kind of destructive, seductive, maleficent power she's pouring out through the film. Yeah. You're just like, oh my God. Like I'm, and that is the one time where the camera can do whatever. And she, then now I'm locked on her, right? Yeah. Now she is the chaos, right? That I am zoned in on. It's kind of an inversion of the previous. Dance it's pretty practices. rad, man. Like Dude, it's pretty. It's, I told you, I've watched just that last thirty minutes of the movie like ten times this week. It's when she comes out after. Um, oh man, when she comes out after she like um, stabs the doppelganger and she's the black swan. Like yeah. that's the beat I always wonder about. Like because that was when I saw it in the movie, I was like, wow, that's really like presenting, and I'm like. Do you think she did that as a choice or do you think that maybe they did it as a take? And then he's like, hey, when you come out, let us see your eyes, like really do that. thing." I see. I think that's a wildly important moment that ties up a lot of these things. So let me let's walk through Lily in general. Right. Because I think a lot of people who watch this movie and then heard we're talking about it in the sense of questioning reality. Yeah. A lot of it will be what of Lily is real and when is Lily around? Right. Which is kind of interesting. I mean, I don't think that's the element to me, right? The, the reflectiveness is what it is. The barrier between being a real person and like an artist, I think, is right. the reality. But So walk me through Lily, right? Le- Lily clearly exists in this film, right? She clearly is there and oh, affecting yeah. the world. No, 100%. Right. Lily exists, is a real but person. Not in every scene. No. Right. There are definitely scenes where Lily is not present. Right. Like, obviously, the uh, as I told my son who walked in on me, the bedroom <laughs> wrestling match. Uh, definitely not there for that scene. Right. Uh, Does she sleep precocious with young, precocious young hunter getting to watch yeah. wrestling? He snuck down. He did the classic thing I used to do is like sneak down and try to watch. Right. Right. And he's like, are they wrestling? And I was like. Yes, very aggressive wrestling. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. No. <laughs> but so walk me through what Lily represented in this movie to you. I mean, to is me- she because she obviously is more than just a, you know, kind of backstabbing ladder climbing. Dancer, no, well, right? I mean, like Vincent Cassell's character says it so well when um, she finds out that she's uh, the understudy for the white swan. Right. Like she runs down, she starts sobbing, and she's like, "He, she can't be my back. Like she cannot be the understudy. Like oh, and so forth." And he's like, and he says it though. He's like, "Every girl in the world wants your part." Like that's yeah. what it is. I think that like, it's the grip on real. The grip on reality is loosening as she forcibly like grips her part. You know, like I'm not sure. Like the more that she feels settled, and the more she feels set in how good she's become or how prolific she is as a as an artist, the less she feels. Uh, like the the more she's set in her art, the less she feels secure in what everyone else is doing. But I think Lily's purpose, Lily is someone in the company she just sees. But Lily begins to represent the massive amount of insecurity she has just as a person in general. Like, right. because really what this is is about her, like her out her, her life outside uh, the ballet company is so horrible and wretched. Like. I mean, it's almost non-existent. Well, yeah. I mean, like, whatever life she has is literally, like, it's training. Like, she is training, like, and she has these weird little tics and so on and so forth. There's a lot of this, like, great, like, 70s Cronenberg mixed with a little bit of, like, repulsion from Polanski. This very, like, 
this very like weird ticking clock of uh, little pieces. Like she like scratches her back a lot of the time, and then she bites mm. her fingernails and bites the skin off her fingernails, which makes me nauseous anytime I see that part. Yeah, um, but like Lily to me ends up being Lily to me, and simply ends up being a reflection of herself and like what she wants versus who she actually is. Like that, I think is probably the hardest part about being an artist in general is. The things you see, like when people, like for instance, like, you know, I can relate to myself. Like when I see people achieve things, of course I'm happy for them because I want good people to prosper in this business. But I'm also a human. And like then like five seconds later, I think, oh, why not me, though? Like what what's wrong with me? <laughs> like it's a class. It's a classic like childish thing. But at the same time, you're still looking at that person like, what do they have that I don't? Like, right. why the am I not factor. that person? Why am I not the black That's swan? That's the scene, right? When she's watching her dance sloppily, yeah. making mistakes and laughing about it. And uh, Toma is like, see, look at her. It's effortless. She's not pretending. Right. And I think that is something that is fascinating in this movie, too, is the way they use Winona Ryder's character. Mm, yeah. As she's having her mental breakdown. Right. We hear her destroying things and breaking glass, but she doesn't break the glass of her vanity mirror. No. Right. That's where Natalie Portman walks in and starts to see herself. And maybe I could be that. Right. And what's really cool in that scene, and they do this really well with the arts department, is there's a lot of decorations and posters of Winona Ryder all decked out in kind of makeup. Right. In right. some kind of disguise. Right. Is this great artistic hero. And so Natalie Portman seems to have this. If I can achieve that, it will mask the world. It'll become my armor. Right. Right. And we see as she's ascending, even when Tomas like, oh, she's retiring. She's my little princess, this and that, like right. kind of false niceties that he just labeled her as this inhuman object. And now he's replacing her with another human. Right. It's kind of weird. Uh, you see the real person in her clashing with this icon that we've seen Natalie Portman aspiring to even at the start of the movie. Right. Natalie Portman, when they're in the mirror room again, when they're getting ready in the makeup room, I always think that's where some really fascinating, like, look at these fucking people always misdirecting and not saying what they mean. Right. That's where Natalie's, you know, defending her. Like, she's such a beautiful dancer. This, But like you said, desperately wanting to take that spot in that room. Right. Well, and it becomes hard because then as you think you have this armor of the makeup and I'm the lead, now you're in the spotlight and every fucking person in there wants to take you down you yeah absolutely i mean like it's strange it's so funny because like as i was watching uh as i was watching that scene where beth like is just drunk at the gala and like giving her shit about like sleeping with toma like god man did he watch showgirls too because there's a little bit of showgirls going on here like just a touch (laughs) like but no but isn't that weird too that was a scene i keyed in on because beth somehow achieved the top spot right They hint that maybe she's had relations with Toma, right? Right. That could have been more as equals instead of like, hey, I'll blow you for a part, which right. she insinuates that Nina did. But I was for the girl who's achieved it and understands it to then turn around and be trying to tear down the girl who now is starting that journey. Right. Again, instead of like, wow, I did it. Congrats, man. This is going to be a great ride for you. Like when one of the doctors replaced another doctor on Doctor Who. <laughs> right, right. This is a... You fucking bitch, you couldn't have earned it on your talents like I did. You fucking blew him. I knew it. Right, right. And it just, it exposes this hideous side of her. And again, she's looking and she sees the broken reflection of her. She's like, that's what I used to be, right? 
right. young and vibrant and you know i had all the parts and now i'm old and breaking down and being pushed out right so nina again becomes a prop in someone else's fucking story right and then when she sees her in the bed we again see uh you know when Win- winona reflected through the door right right the harsh reality and when she gets in there and actually lifts the sheets now Nina is using her as the reflection of fuck is this what it's going to come to right she looks so gaunt and thin and the fucking wounds are disgusting yeah uh we lose that layer and all of a sudden the reality becomes fucking terrifying yeah and the movie does that really well throughout yeah i think that it's interesting you brought up the mirror cuz then like like it's the one thing it's kind of like the one thing she won't destroy you know like uh beth is like blowing up her spot and she won't destroy that mirror. What's interesting though, is then at the end when she confronts the doppelganger slash Lily, right. the one thing she fucking tears apart and destroys and actually uses to destroy herself is the mirror. She breaks it. Right. It falls apart. She fucking stabs her doppelganger to death with it. Like, right. Therefore kind of like releasing this tension she's had the entire time. It's very sexual. Like, Everything in this movie is revolves around sort of this weird sort of passive aggressive sexual vibe, but it's interesting because it's not used to this effect of like it's not used to this like really like what I would call pedestrian effect of oh she's never gotten laid so she's really uptight like that's not what it is at all like what no. sex is used as in this movie is less about like a reflection of Nina herself and much more about the uh, things that she wants to encounter but has not. Or won't, based on, like, whoever her mother is, based on what she's trying to achieve in her life. Like, she's sacrificing such carnal pleasures to become the greatest that she can be, because that's what she thinks she has to do. It's pretty interesting. Well, also, yeah, I mean, you can track it along this route, too, right? We see her engaged in a sexual act three times, right? Right. Because everyone's like, oh, the lesbian scene is so hot. All right, fine. They really went for it. Beautiful. That's great. But track, (laughs) track this with me, right? The first time we see her is when <laughs> Toma is like, I'm giving you homework. Go explore yourself. How uncomfortable and right. not okay it seems. Then to roll over and her mom is in the room. So she has to stop suddenly. Almost as if by loving herself, she has committed something wrong. Right, right. Right? Especially in the eyes of the mother. It's very pious. The next time we see it is after Vincent Castle gropes the shit out of her. Right. And he's like, that was me seducing you. It needs to be the other way. You know, and then walks off like he's like some kind of like nailed it. By the way, best Vincent Castle impression of all time. In case she didn't have enough mental problems, I'll go ahead and just add on to that fucking (laughs) She's not doing well. Let me just fucking sexually assault her and break her a little more. Right, right, right. She then goes home and right after that, I believe, is when she's kind of fiddling around in the bathtub, right? Right. So again, it's, how can I capture for myself what he was giving me? Right. So, again, the sexuality is always layered away. It doesn't feel like self-pleasure. No, 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 no. And the interesting scene about, to, to me, the interesting thing about the lesbian moment is interesting on a lot of levels. Because we see the two girls come in together. The way they diverge in the multiple mirrors, right, is just lovely. Right. And then when she, you know, the mom, where have you been? I've been to the moon and back. We see Lily is mouthing the same words. Right. Right. Later, we find out she probably wasn't there. Of course, Nina's mom never uh, acknowledges her. So that makes sense. Right. She runs into the room and this is the first time she's used the bar to lock her mother out of her room and out of her life where we already saw her in the chair interrupting the fiddle time. Right. So by doing this, 
there's a way where she's like, for the first time in this home, this feels like her first moment of this is mine. This is me. I've taken a stand. And in a way, she's kind of fucking herself. Yeah. Right? No, totally. it's, It's this explosion of look at what I accomplished and I stood up for myself. Right. So I again I don't think that's a real sexual experience. I think it's probably more No, it's this is this is maybe the only moment of self gratification for her in the movie. Right. So again, I, I think it's a lot of guys focus on the just pure bliss of watching that scene. But again, to you like you're saying, it's not pornographic. It really fits in yeah. well with delivering all these extra narrative values. There's nothing about like especially I mean because the scene also like there's a lot of it that there's a lot of things that get punctuated by what I would call like like that sort of version of surrealism you see a lot in Cronenberg movies which is either odd body horror or anything right. else like like the first thing I think like okay this is a story I have to tell real quick but my mother who um <laughs> For the, I've, I've I've talked about my mom a couple times on the show and on the long box, but like my mom is very literal. She she's a smart lady. She went to college. She knows what's up, but she also has like no time for any sort of like metaphor in movies or anything like that. So <laughs> my mom wanted to watch this movie because she likes the music. She likes Swan Lake. Like when I was a kid, we she's went a theater to, lady. She's a theater teacher. She's a theater teacher. She's a theater lady. Like when I was a kid, we went to go see Swan Lake uh, at the Cleveland Symphony Orchestra. Like this whole thing. My mom wanted to watch the movie. The only thing she could ask me the entire time, she kept asking questions. Five minutes into the movie, like everyone knows how this movie opens. Five minutes into the movie, we're watching it, and the first thing out of her mouth was, when does she turn into a bird? I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, well, it's Swan Lake. She's got to turn into a bird, right? And I'm like, (laughs) mom, just watch the movie, okay? And she's like, okay, well, whatever. Five minutes go by. Is this the bird part? And I'm like, stop asking me about the fucking birds, all right? Just watch. And then finally, mom, you know what a bird looks like. What are you doing? (laughs) Finally, like, so the the scene where she actually does that, where her like legs uh, cock back and all that shit, (laughs) my mom just goes, oh my God, she's going to turn into a bird. I'm like, that's the whole point of you watching this movie. You've asked me 50 fucking times. She's going to turn into a bird. Finally, you're upset. She goes, (laughs) she just goes, I knew it. (laughs) Dude, seriously. My mom spent the entire time like trying to guess what was going to happen next. I'm like, this is not the movie for that. Just watch the movie. All right. Oh, Alex in your film school degree. I sure locked that from the credits. (laughs) (laughs) But yes. My mom was a huge fan of this movie simply because they, she could guess what was going to happen. Like, that was, like, her big deal. Right. But, yeah, so she got to the end, and she was like, well, at least she turned into a bird. But that's, I'm like... I'm really glad I got those fat. But, no, your mom actually hits on something really interesting, right, though. Right. Kind of, like, a roundabout way of doing it. But what we're getting to, again, with the the sex that's not sexy... Right. In the, another level of pulling us further away from whoever this real Nina may be... Mm-hmm is the way Nina is never in control of her body. No. Very important. Her physical body, right? So her physical body, one, is falling apart. The toenail rips. Yep. Uh, you know, cutting the nails, scratching her skin. That's herself, right? Right. Through delusions, which is kind of sad. The way her mom has ownership over her body, like, show me your scratches. Right. Chopping her nails. Yeah. The way that Nina can't eat food without throwing it up and being sick, right? Right, right. Uh, but then even just the physical touching, we see constantly in rehearsals, uh, the men characters all on her groping, lifting. We see her just mimicking the motions of her teachers. Right. Uh, there's that scene that I don't know why this scene bothered me, but when the doctor just has her hand way the fuck under her rib cage. Right. Yeah. And it's like, what the f- 
fuck are you? like that's not medicine get your fucking of course you can't <laughs> breathe your fucking knuckles are in her lungs right so there's that then we get the vincent castle groping the hell out of her right then we start to get to actual body horror of the bloodshot eyes and the feathers and the fucking leg snapping yeah it, it's this constant bit of but nina I, is a receptacle for ideas and other people to physically mold her right into what they well, want it's, i think that's really what it unsettling. is like that's the thing i love the most is like this constant the thing that i love is the constant shuffling of her skin like you see like um where feathers might poke out like this is a really yeah. common thing that happens throughout the movie and first off i love that like body horror aspect of it but also like the metaphor in and of itself is literally like i've always assumed that's less about other people's reflection but that's the truth that's her true self underneath like that's her trying to actually get out because walk me through that what what part is her trying well like to me the version of nina that everyone knows is the white swan like that's what everyone is used to and that's what everyone is understanding as this movie progresses and as like you see her skin ruffle and that kind of stuff those little pieces are less about people trying to push their reflections of who she should be on her and more about her trying to become who she ultimately needs to be, ultimately should be. Like, that's what I've always assumed uh, that kind of like those weird little ruffles because it doesn't until the very end, until she finally breaks free, breaks that mirror, breaks that that visage of herself down Mm -hmm. to its baser levels. Only then, during the dance of the Black Swan, does it actually, like, her skin finally, the feathers pop out, and she actually the becomes... goose flesh, the feathers. Exactly. Yeah. Like, the goose flesh thing is, I think, a really the great metaphor. red eyes. <laughs> yeah, like, it's an incredible, like, transformation, but that's, like, the whole point of that body... The whole point of the body horror, because there is a lot of it in this movie. The whole point of the right. body horror is, yes, like, the stuff that seems real and visceral, like the toenails and scratching yourself, that is... Obviously, which we always see after the fact, like when she rips her fingernail off after the like fancy pants party. Right, right. Not real. Right. I think that in and of itself is the reflection of society. Like that's the reflection of Vincent Cassell, Barbara Hershey, like everyone who's trying to push their ideals of what she needs to be on her. The chicken skin and the eventual birth of these black feathers from her during the dance. That's who she really is. That's who she wanted to be this whole time. Like I think that in and of itself is like such an awesome like use of body horror and metaphor. And like, that's the kind of stuff that I would say pulls directly from like Cronenberg doing like shivers and a rabbit and those kinds of things. It's her werewolf transformation. Yeah, it's great. But what it, what it is, I think too, I like the way you're saying that is that's the, she's bursting forth from the mirror for the first time. Right. Right. The other scene that I think we see this leads up to the lesbian moment (laughs) Is when she's at the bar, right? right. And she's kind of off put, whatever. She doesn't get out very much, it seems. Right. She puts on Lily's shirt. Yeah. Right? So kind of embracing this. Lily essentially plays her id, right? So yeah, totally. She puts on the shirt. She comes up. She sees Lily drug her drink. Walks over and still willingly drinks the drink. Right. Because she knows she she won't get there without Lily taking her. Yep. And that was a weird one to me. I'm like, she knows the drug is drink or the drink is drugged. There you go. Sorry, I got it finally. She still fucking chugs it. Right. Then decides to hang out, does all the dancing, wakes up like getting made out with some skinhead is like, oh, oh bad decisions. Ah! And runs away. <laughs> and this is when she has this. She runs away, but she still hasn't had enough time in the the black swan life. Right. Like she right. she desperately wants to break out and maybe does a bit at that point. But like you said, it's not all the way yet. It's not fully coming to fruition because the next day she runs back and is still 
trying to fit into what Vincent Cassell wants and judging the shit out of Lily for betraying her and dancing her dance. Right. But yeah, man, I like that. That's her breaking out. Yeah. I like that. It's not something that's happening to her from without, which everything else right. in the movie is. This is her. Everything in the movie is her getting. Exploding. Yeah, it's her ripping her own fucking false skin off. Right. I I, I like that. That's it's, good. It's a really fascinating, just everything about the little, like, the sound design in this movie is incredible. Like, all of the small technical aspects, everything about what happens in this movie from a visual and audible audio standpoint are so visceral and so intense. Like, it's the part where you start, like, really talking about auteur theory. Like, this is something that Aronofsky just does in his movies a lot of the time, which is great. And it's never... Um, it's always to a great effect and it always enhances the performance of the person because then you get to concentrate on what's happening in the movie to the point where everything becomes important. Everything becomes, we're talking, I mean, right now we're talking about like a chicken skin effect, but it becomes something even more like that's, what's so great about this movie. And that's, what's so great about a movie like this because it's based in reality. Yet the grip on reality is so loose that, the fun right. of playing in that world, the fun of watching this whole thing unravel is simply because you get to talk about stuff like, is Lily real? Well, Lily's real, but she's not quite real. Like those kinds of things. And everything right. in the movie is sort of less left suspect by the end. It's interesting. Well, I love Lily too, because she's the one character that Nina seems to reflect and use as a prop for herself. Totally. Her yeah. Ooh, wow. I didn't think about that. And That's also, great. Yeah. She's like, Oh, you're fucking evil. I'll project this and that, which we see at the end. Lily breaks when she's like, I was ready to dance and she showed up. We see her break, right? So right. there was a little mischievousness, right? Right, right. But throughout the rest of the movie, Lily's projecting onto her the way everyone else is to her. Uh, what I think is brilliant right. about this movie more than anything, like you said, there, there's this voyeuristic, like chaotic nature to all of it. But for Natalie Portman to be playing a character and get so much depth out of not having a character, essentially, right? Nina is a shapeless vessel with which to fill. She's a tutu that needs a body. Right, right. In this movie, right? That's that's how it's played. Like, she needs Vincent Castle to tell her who she is. She needs her fucking freaky-ass mom to tell her who she is, right? Like, right. her mom is probably the worst in the movie that, I don't want you to make the same mistake I did by having you. Yeah. You ruined my life. Right? Right. And it's just, you just see this constantly. Everyone around her, even Lily at a point, which she's you know, kind of complicit in is helping make her a different version of herself. Right. Everyone's telling her she's not enough as she is. Right. Right. And there's something missing in her. And yeah, throughout the movie, just watching Natalie Portman being an empty vessel, yet still pouring all of this fucking heart out. Yeah. And then when she finally embraces like, no, fuck that. I'm going to stab this, you know, version of myself. And this gets back to what you're saying with the mirror. Like, was that kind of an accident or this? I think the part of that that is so specific is, when uh, the doppelganger's choking her and she's like, it's my turn. Right. And that's the black swan. She is the white swan, stabs her and says, no, it's my turn. So her, as the white swan, kills this black swan, evil doppelganger version of herself. Right. And somehow becomes an even greater, darker version of herself. Right. And it's. It's fucking gorgeous. And then the, the realization, because that takes you out to the stage where you're just like, wow. Right. Like the dancing. Because what we see, too, is in the start of the swan dance. Like that whole final dance to me is just like, that's better than every movie you watch pretty much. Like you would just watch that. Right. You're like, this is why movies exist, right? The power of them. Right. But she's dancing, right? She's a little scared. 
she looks over and sees Lily still possibly trying to mess around with her, grabbing that guy's junk. I was like, P.S., if there are ever pants to not have a heart on in, those pants. Ballet pants, guys. Yeah, Be very that careful. guy comes out, lifts her up, right? And she's still looking at Lily, still sees herself amongst the line, right? Not right. good enough to be raised high. Drops her. So did Lily sabotage her? She's crying. Then she takes the reins. I'll fucking stab this white swan and become this fucking, you know, like Lizzo says, 100% that bitch. That's what she becomes. Right. She comes back out, dances this fucking raw, powerful. She did it. She's the black swan. Right. And then the weird choice is we go back into the dressing room and see her have to have another soulful, heartbreaking moment. Yeah. She finally achieved it. She's the fucking black swan. But then we come back and she realizes she's not. Yeah. It's such a, like, to go back is an insane choice to me. Uh, I know it's the, the Swan Lake story. Sure. But to take the character all the way up here and then bring her back and tell us that the entire journey to unleash her inner self as represented by Black Swan was fruitless, right? Yeah. That is a fucking heart, just heart-wrenching moment. I mean, it's, it's soul-crushing. It is, but it's, it's a weird moment where it's like, oh, she didn't commit murder. How sad. <laughs> <laughs> when does that ever happen in a movie? I know, right? You're actually at the end of this movie so upset that this girl like didn't just murder someone. You're like, oh, you? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, but she did. She murders herself. The tragedy of it is so fascinating. Yeah. And again, like. Like, again, if you knew Swan Lake, you knew where this was going to go. But at the same time, like, that's the that's the like. That's what it's the, the title of the show. It's the alchemy of this movie. And it's right. the amazing use of everything. All the sum of its parts that Aronofsky puts together in this movie makes it so visceral and amazing. You know how it's going to end. And yet at the end, you and I are still sitting there going, no, she finally did it. Every time I watch it and she pulls the towel and there's no blood and body. Yeah. I still have a like, yeah. oh, my totally. God. Every time it's I weird, it's like. I want that body in there. Like, I want her to do it. It's, it's like, incredible. But it's it's just brutal. And then she comes back out as the white swan. And she sees her mother who finally loves her for once, right? Finally appreciate. Right. Although still not appreciating from afar as a product on the stage. Same with Vincent Cassell. But we see this foretold even earlier in the movie when, you know, uh, Winter Soldier is like, oh, a happy ending. Wink. And she's like, actually, it is beautiful that this swan right. kills herself, right? So you know exactly what's happening, and it's still utterly thrilling and gripping. Yeah. But when she has that line, she hits the fucking pad, and she's just bleeding everywhere. Yeah. After she's looked at everyone from on high, right, the actual pinnacle of her life, she's achieved everything. And Toma comes up. They love you. We hear the applause, and she just, I felt it. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I felt, felt perfect. She answers his question from earlier in the movie, what is the point of this perfection? And she's like, this is it. Yeah, I just gave again like this movie. You can perform as well. You can't perform better. Totally. So she's like all of my perfect. This is the crazy thing, too. Right. All of her perfectionism led her to a mental breakdown that then allowed her to be perfect. To which she knew I can never go through this again and achieve these heights. I would rather just end it there. Yeah. Again, because she is only as good as whatever the onstage presentation in this world is. I mean, it's just the way it's hitting you on so many levels, so viscerally, and dragging you, ricocheting you back and forth, despite you knowing the path. 
I mean, it's it's truly astounding. Like people throw the masterpiece word around all the time. This if this is not a masterpiece of filmmaking, I literally don't know the, why we have that the word. The end of this <laughs> movie is by far the most masterful. It's the most masterful use of you know what's going to happen, but I'm going to still yeah. make you like it's just incredible. Like well, everything just, seriously, about this when movie. people say what is the power of film, right? Why is it different than a book or music? It's that. What is is specifically powerful and magic uh about films this ending is it totally right there this there is, is some kind of it's so much more than what you see on screen and what you hear all of the professionals that made this movie it becomes through alchemy so much more yeah right and when movies do that the rare occasion when a movie just fucking erupts from the screen in such a volcanic nature, you're like, that's it. That's the yeah. fucking dark arts I think of cinema. <laughs> your reaction to the reveal of her pulling the towel away, like that visceral moment of knowledge yeah. that all, all of know. this was a show. Yeah. That's like, that's the power right there. That's the power of movies. That's the power of all the hard work, all the 18 hour days. That's the power. And that's what brings it out is the art of surprising people, even though they know it's a surprise. Like, yeah. That's amazing. You want to know stuff. one more scene that kicked me in the dick? At the end, when the swans run up to her as she's dying. Yeah. Lily is Lily's in the front there. Of the oh, line. I know, right? Oh, and she's like, that, that was amazing. ripped my guts out. I don't know why. And then she's the one who reacts in horror <laughs> first, I believe. Yeah. It just, it's. She's the one I mean. who it's reacts like, to it. It hits and you it, on a, wow, look at the power. Then think of the psychological torment and the fucking beauty. And I, that's what I mean. It's this movie achieves a kind of power that you almost never like even great movies, right? Like let's say John wick. I love John wick. It never achieves that extra explosive magic. We are like, Holy fuck. Every single thing in this is working in such a powerful way that you feel like I'm actually going to explode from within. Like I'm going to start just throwing up or something. Cause this is too much yeah. awesomeness at one time. And John wick is so much awesome. Totally. But this, this ending just hits this extra fucking level that the best movies can get to. I think it's, I really do think it's because all of the pieces, the cinematography, the sound design, the basic performances you see have all like funneled into this final moment where this should be like an eruption of joy. Like it should be the, like we all should be, the intention should be that we're as happy as Nina that she finally felt it. But we're so, let me so, ask you this though. We're so Are deflated. you not? Are you not? No, because I wanted her to survive. I wanted her to live. She's I'll tell you this. This is what I felt. And Nina was ready to move out, this and that. It Nina was just going to become Winona Ryder, man. Of course. Like in a weird way, like I obviously I didn't want her to kill herself. No. But there is this catharsis in now she's doing everything on her terms. She won the fight. And as horrible as that is. There is that's what she says though, right? That's the the exchange. Wow, that's a happy ending. Well, actually it is beautiful, man. Of course it's beautiful. And there is this fucked up like sadness and happiness right. at the same but time. But that's what it is. I'm Sebastian Stan going, man, that's a happy ending. Like that's exactly what that's exactly the power of this movie, man. Yeah. Like I'm sitting here, we're having this conversation and I'm like, god, I wish Nina like totally survives this movie, but she totally dies. But like, fuck. She's so good. The she's whole, eternal, though, now. She, Everyone who she saw is. that, she's eternal. Of course. That's the point of her perfection. It's fucked up because, again. But that's but you're right, though. That the, is the, the point fact of perfection. The art is only 
worth what an audience member says it is. Right? right. You can make the most technically perfect film, and if we watch it, this is the argument that you have all the time about Rotten Tomatoes, right? Like where the critics are like, this movie kind of sucks on a technical level, blah, blah, blah. If 85% of fans are like, we fucking love it, they win. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter how a movie's made or the problems or the flaws, the technical shit. That's what matters, right? Is the audience's reflection of art. And that's what Nina, she became eternal. She became everything she strove for. And again, they kind of take the piss out of that hero's journey. Like, what is the value of an artist so destroying themselves and being miserable for our three hours of entertainment. But that's this this is my, my final thought on this movie, right? Is it's a movie to me where every choice they make should not work. Right. Yet totally. it all comes together in this unbelievable perfection at the end that is almost an unbearable amount of cinematic joy. Yeah. Right? Like the fact that it's always this jittery, moving, voyeuristic, creepy camera that makes us feel like predators. The fact that Nina has no actual character yet becomes one of the most empathetic heartwarming characters. You, not heartwarming, but you know, like you're like, I want to hug her. I want to help her. Of course. It's not heartwarming to see what she goes through. Right. But she's an empty vessel that still is able to give us so much. Right. You know, that the whole body whore and the disillusion of reality and looking at everything through reflections and glares of others. None of this should work to me in my brain. Right. When you're laying it out, how you would shoot, you know, this, ballet right these competitive ballet dancers right this is not how i would have imagined it and all of those wrong choices end up being the right choice because they're so perfect and that's what it it is to be you know that next level filmmaker totally i mean this is oh this doesn't seem exactly right let me fucking dominate you and show you exactly how this works i mean this feels aronofsky seducing us exactly (laughs) this is like to me this is grabbing my boobies look i have a very I'm very partial. I love I love the fountain, but even though I know that that thing gets lost in itself. But this movie is so visceral and like quick too. This movie's 108 minutes long. It's almost yeah. 90 minutes, which would have made it a perfect movie. But again, there's also not a frame wasted. There's not moments in this movie that I'm like I could have cut that out. No way. Like this maybe movie- the guy jerking off to her in the subway. <laughs> kind of. He wasn't. He's like too old to jerk off. He's just. <laughs> That one, again, that's us looking at her in the front, not through a reflection. That's like, why would you want to live in this real life? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, my final thought would be this movie is this movie's peak Aronofsky. It's peak what we've been talking about this month, month about reflecting. Like, this is less about what is reality, much more about reflecting reality. And I think that's yeah. the thing that I've loved the most. I love the most about this movie is reality is a reflection of ourselves and whatever we create within our own reality. Like we obviously have the real world to contend with, but we can also choose to lock the real world away. And again, I think the interesting thing that this movie kind of simulates is that the, like the world of art, like particularly this kind of art where you have to dedicate yourself fully and uh, wholly to it is its own reality in and of itself. So, of course, Nina would have an issue dealing with grasping what's real and what's not, because what's real is this. Is this. So, right. in, in, like, truthfully, this is exactly like Total Recall and exactly like uh, The Matrix and exactly right. like any other movie uh, about questioning reality, because this is the reality. This is the reality of her life. Right. So well, this is the scariest thing, right? This is not science fiction. No, it's not. This is asking us. 
can we as humans ever become more than the perceptions of the world around us? Right. Do we have any value in self outside of what the world kind of dictates upon us, right? I totally. can try to do something every day to be the kind of person I want. And if everyone I interact with doesn't see me that way and writes me as a different character, does that not begin to supersede my actions and then vicariously change my behavior? I don't think vicariously is the right word. See, I can't even say words, man. There's no reality. <laughs> but you know what I mean, I right? do, I like, do. Their interpretation of me could be totally different than me and might be more powerful and affecting. Right. So then where do you Again, this is Do we ever have control over ourselves, man? Right. But that's This movie's this about movie does it in a terrifyingly real yeah. world way. This movie which I about, think makes it an invaluable addition to this month. Totally. This is about internal reality versus the real world itself and how you interpret yeah. those things. It's Look, it's an amazing movie. And it's Watch this fucking movie. I hope you have if you've already seen peak, it. Watch it again. It's peak Aronofsky. Like, there's no reason for you not to watch this movie. I would again. say it's just peak filmmaking. It is. This is like this is a filmmaker at the height of his powers, using all of the pieces that he knows work in everything, making a movie. The actor, that, everything great. about this movie. This is one of those movies I watch when I'm like, do I still want to talk about movies on the internet and you know write screenplays? I watch this and you're like, that's why. Hundred percent. Because if one time you can fucking funnel the dark arts into this level of achievement, yep. that's worth the whole lifetime, right? Like that's it. It's it's just a, a fucking love letter to cinema, man. I, I fucking adore this movie. Uh, so, yeah, guys, I hope you loved it as much as us. I hope you guys had fun questioning reality. We did hear you on all the movies you thought we missed. And uh, trust me, man, they're coming. We'll do it. We'll get back to we. I love questioning reality. You guys know that. So we'll be back. Also, if you guys have questioning reality movies we didn't get to and you don't want to wait. December, the pod stuffs your stocking. You guys tell us what movies you want, and we will give those back to you. We already have one locked. Uh, I Saw the Devil, which is an all-time cool flick. Yes. So that one's in. Uh, but next month, guys, our October Melee, Every Nightmare on Elm Street, Every Friday the 13th, Parasite, The Lighthouse, Three from Hell, and then on Halloween Day, we culminate our journey in Freddy versus Jason. Yes. Which I just rewatched again. Good load. I'm excited about that pod. So lots of good stuff, guys. Share us on your socials. Leave ratings and reviews on iTunes. Find us on YouTube uh, for all the fun. Thanks, as always, from the Film Alchemist. I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino. I felt Dance it. for me, little people. Dance for me. <laughs> I felt it. I should have done more Vincent. Dance Yeah, for you me. really should have. That's Dance more Werner Herzog. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. All right. Better impressions next week. Peace.